Last week I told you that we were not going to start a sermon series until everybody got back. That was a lie. I, I don't know why I say those things because then God tells me, he says, we are starting a sermon series, okay? And so um, if you're watching today with us online or on social media, thank you so much for watching. Today in the next 30 minutes, I'm going to prove to us biblically uh, that every one of us most likely has a bitter root on the inside toward God that affects many, many areas of our life. And many of our sins and many of our problems in life come from that bitter root. But today I believe that Jesus Christ can uproot those things that have happened in your past. Jesus can go back in time to whenever that bitter root took place through that, uh, that negative circumstance. He can uproot it and the fruit of your life will change in the future. So that's what we're talking about today. Uh, today the sermon series is called Roots and Fruit. Roots and fruit, and here's what it's about. What is the root cause of why I am experiencing what I'm experiencing right now? What is the root cause of why I can't hold down a job? What is the root cause of why I tend to blame everybody else when something goes wrong? What is the root cause of the reason that I'm stingy? What is the root cause of my bad eating habits? What is the root? And a lot of times we look at the fruit and we say, you know what? The fruit is I tend to cuss a lot. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop cussing. And that goes good for about two months until you stub your toe and it starts all over again. Because you're examining the fruit and not the root. You know what? I heard a sermon and I realized I'm a little bit greedy. I need to be more giving. So I'm going to start being a giver in life. Six weeks goes by and you're right back to your stingy self. You know why? You're focusing on the fruit. And not the root. What is the root cause? And we go through life being deceived into only looking at the fruit. And we try to change the fruit. But let me tell you, it all started somewhere in the past with a seed that began to root inside of your heart. And the thing about roots is they're hidden. You can't see them. We hide, we hide them. In our, no one knows it, but we hide it in our heart. And eventually, though the root produces a tree, the tree produces branches, and branches bear certain fruit. And there's rotten fruit in our lives, and it will only change if we discover the root. So that's the sermon series. Are you excited? Say yes. yes. Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, so part one today, I want to talk to you about this. Bitter roots. Bitter roots. And the reason I chose this as number one is because I believe that I can prove biblically that there are more sins connected to bitter roots than anything else. There are more bad addictions, drug addictions, bad eating habits, pornography addictions, anger addictions. There are more addictions tied to a bitter root than any other root we have inside of our hearts or that we could face. Hebrews 12, 15 is the key scripture for today, and it should be on your handouts, and have it typed out on your handouts, so all through the sermon that you can, you can read it and go back to it, but it says this, and there's three main phrases in this we're going to look at. Hebrews 12, 15, let no one fail to receive the grace of God. Let's just stop there for a second. Um, this basically means let nobody think that they, um, that they need something more than what God has provided. The Bible says that his grace is sufficient for us. And a lot of times we go through life deceived into thinking there's something else we need besides what God has brought into our life. And we go outside of his will to get it. It goes on to say, let no bitter root grow up and defile many. In other words, a bitter root in your heart doesn't just affect you. It affects your spouse, your children, the people you work with and everything you do. All the people you're in relationship with. Let no one be a fornicator or immoral like Esau, who we're going to study, who sold his birthright for a single meal. Okay, point number one for your notes is this. Uh, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you 
um, some horrible things that bitter roots do. I could tell you some great things that could happen if you let Jesus uproot the bitter roots. But in life, we usually don't change because if we want something good. We usually change because the pain is so bad. That's what usually makes us change as, as human beings. So I'm going to give you the negative, okay? Point number one is this. Bitter roots deceive. They deceive us. They make us think things that are not true. They make us go after things we know we shouldn't have. We become blind. Bitter roots deceive us into thinking we need more than what God and his son did for us. Bitter roots um, make us look at somebody else as being blessed and we think, I deserve that. They shouldn't have that. I should have it. Bitter roots always cause us to, um, they cause us to listen to the whisper of Satan more than the voice of God in our life. And I'm going to prove it to you, okay? So 2 Corinthians 11.3 says this, I fear that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent, your thoughts may be led away from Christ. So here's what the scripture is saying. The original human sin um, causes a deception in our life. And see, it's my job now as the pastor to connect this scripture to a bitter root. Okay, so I want to look at the original sin. Stay with me. Okay, I need y'all to really get in my mind today and see the direction that we're going. It's going to take a lot of brain power today. I'm sorry, but I promise it'll be worth it. I promise. Okay, so the original sin, Genesis 3, 5, Satan says this. God knows that on the day that you eat from the tree, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay, so when Satan speaks to us, he always brings in a little bit of truth in order to deceive us. And Satan knows the word of God. He actually tried quoting it to Jesus. So Satan, here's some, tr here's some truth that Satan brings in to deceive you and getting your mind away from Christ. Okay, he'll say something like this. God wants you to be happy. Of course he does. It's all through his work. But he wants us to be happy with what he's given us. If you make minimum wage, he wants you to be happy. If you're married to somebody that, um, that, 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 that watches too much television or that, that leaves their socks thrown on the ground, he still wants you to be happy. If um, you work at a place that you really don't like, he still wants you to be happy. But see, we're deceived into thinking, well, you know what? God wants me to be happy. So that means that I can go after things that make me happy even if it's outside of his will. Let me show you the deception here. Here's what Satan said. Uh, God knows that when you eat from this, your eyes will be open. That's truth. Uh, God knows that you'll be like him. Okay, listen, they were already like God. They were created in the likeness of God. There were no more any human other than Jesus, up until Jesus, that was like God than Adam and Eve. They were like God. He said this, you'll know good. That's, listen, they already knew good. They walked with good every single day. They talked with good himself every day. They knew good inside and out. Uh, the Latin word for uh, the English word for God comes from the Latin word for good. Basically the same thing. They knew good. But here's the deception and evil. God didn't want them to know evil. He didn't want them to know evil. So he deceives them into eating something and taking fruit that they want. They wanted this fruit, so they go after something that God didn't provide. Satan's goal is for us to become bitter toward God. Here's what he made them think. God's been holding out on me. I'm serving God and I walk with God and he should have done this for me. He should have given me this. How dare he not do this for me after all the times I prayed. After all the, my heart, my heart's been broken. God should have opened this door so I'm going to open it myself. They were deceived in becoming bitter 
against their very best friend. God should have, could have, would have, and he didn't, so I'm going to go after it. There's the bitter root that started. And we all have this inside of us somewhere. Um, why did my loved one die? God should have stopped that. Why did my business fail? God should have moved in. Why did my marriage end? God should have stopped cancer from killing my mom. God should have not made me grow up in the way I did. God should have done something. And so we have this bitter root that's developed, and we don't even recognize it. When we get to church, we don't fully worship God because there's a bitter root. And we don't even know it. It might have happened 25 years ago in something in your life. And in the back of mind, you think, okay, I know God's perfect. I know he loves me. I know he's sovereign. But he should have done this for me. And so we don't fully give our life to him. We know we should. And we come to church and we sing and we give. But deep inside, there's something deep inside that says, if God loved me like I know he's supposed to, he would have done this for me. And we're deceived in God's great sovereignty he did not create us as robots. He didn't want to force us to do the right thing and force us to love him. So he made us in his image and gave us a free will. And the reason that bad things have happened to you, the reason there's cancer. Listen, COVID-19 did not come from a, a factory or whatever in China, a laboratory. It came from sin. Uh, death came from sin. Cancer came from sin. The reason there's evil in the world is because the world has departed from God. Listen, God gave us a free will just like him. He gave us his word for us to follow. He gave us his Holy Spirit for us to have that power. And we still as human beings have brought evil in the world. The reason bad things happen is because we live in a fallen world. You're never going to get away from it until you get to heaven. You're never going to. So let me give you a scripture to help you through these difficult times so that bitter roots are not produced toward God. Proverbs 3, 5 in one translation says this, trust the Lord with all your heart and don't try to figure everything out. If you could live by this scripture, I'm telling you, a lot of these things that Satan tries to, to give you a little bit of truth, you know, um, it, you know, God said he loved you, but you know he could have stopped that bullet. He could have, no, God gave us all a free will. And so look, I could give you a really great theological, intellectual answer to help you with this. But I find us Americans aren't moved so much by logic as we are emotion. So let me reach your emotions real quick for an analogy, okay? I want you to imagine a little five-year-old girl. Good little girl. She goes to Sunday school and children's church on Sundays and She's making straight A's in first grade, and she, she, she wears pretty little dresses, and she's nice to all her friends. And one day, the little girl's mommy picks her up early from school and takes her to this building. And when she walks in, there's other mommies and daddies with their children, and they're just sitting there hanging out. And at one point, they call the little girl's name, and so the mom, who loves this little girl, walks her back to this room, and they're sitting there, and an older gentleman comes in with a white coat, and a long needle and he shoves it into the little girl's arm and this little girl doesn't say it but in her mind she thinks mommy I hate you right now I can't believe I trusted you I can't believe you're supposed to protect me and love me and you let this man shove a needle into my arm and she's crying and sobbing and she again she doesn't verbalize it but there's something that she doesn't she's bitter toward her mom and can't even express it not only that but on the way out she sees her mom pay these people money who shoved a needle into her arm. 
25 years go by, this girl's now a young woman and she's on a missionary journey to another country and she looks around and she sees hundreds and thousands of people dying of a plague that she is saved from because 25 years before, an older man shoved a needle into her arm. Trust the Lord and don't try to figure everything out. One day you'll see it all very clearly. One day it'll all come together when you're with him. For now, just get rid, just uproot that bitterness and trust God and keep going forward. Okay, number two is this. Bitter roots defile. Bitter roots defile. Hebrews 12.15 is our main scripture. It says, let no bitter root grow up and defile many. Let no one be a fornicator or immoral like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. Okay, the reason that you and I as Christians fail morally, the reason we fail morally, uh, sexually, with lust, pornography, the reason we do this is because we are seeking after something that brings us a temporary pleasure that God did not provide. And it's because I believe we're deceived into thinking if God loves me, he would have provided something like this. But he didn't. And so his grace is not sufficient. I have to go after this thing. I need this. I want this. God should do a better job. God should have done a better job when he made marriage. He should have done a better job when he created the spouse. So he should have, he should change my spouse to fulfill what I need to be fulfilled in. And he didn't, so I'm going to get it myself. The word fornicator here means a person driven by appetite. Appetite. Everybody say appetite. I'll, I'll tell you this real quick. This is a lot in my notes. But So Friday night, my wife and I go on a double date. I was some friends here in church, and we had a great time. That day, I spent some time just one-on-one -on -one with my wife. Um, before that, I finished my sermon, so I was not stressed out about anything. Sermon was done on, by Friday afternoon. Um, at that night at dinner, we went to Hibachi, and that fills you up. I mean, you're full. You are full. You don't need anything else, right? When you go to Miyabi's or Little Tokyo, you don't need nothing else. Nothing else. Um, I had a great my, when I was there. My oldest son was there, and his his wife and his my, my grandchild was there. So that was exciting. I got to see them. Perfect day. I get home at 9:45 p.m. Perfect day. Okay, I'm fulfilled. Everything's great. I'm on my back porch just relaxing, and I'm scrolling through Facebook, and I see that Krispy Kreme is offering chocolate glazed donuts one day a month. Do you know what day that was this month they offered those? That Friday night. Listen, it was, and knowing that it was 9.46 when I saw the ad, and I looked up Krispy Kreme in Myrtle Beach, and they close at 10 o'clock. And my house is 20 minutes away. Have you ever seen the General Lee go over 90 miles an hour? <laughs> Let me tell you what I did. Your pastor, and, I, and just close your ears if you don't want to hear this, your pastor broke the law <laughs> and enjoyed every minute of it to fulfill an appetite of something he desperately wanted that God did not provide. <laughs> Listen, I literally broke the law to satisfy an appetite. And it wasn't even that good, to be honest with you. <laughs> Go just stick with the original glaze. You can't beat those. And if you microwave them for an extra six seconds, you can actually drink it through a straw, which is really good. <laughs> anyway, so um, I, I think about it like this. Imagine that you get an all-expense paid trip around the world. Okay, all-expense paid trip around the world. And you're at the airport, and they're calling your flight, but you ordered a hamburger. 
and they tell you your hamburger will be ready in five minutes, but it's the last call for your flight, okay? Here's what, here's what bitter roots can cause us to do. They can cause us to let the airplane door shut on our all-expense round trip because we want to eat the hamburger. That's, that's what bitter roots can do on the inside. They cause us to seek after something that is definitely not God's best. We think somehow we earn it, we deserve it. God didn't provide what we need. So let's look at Esau. Genesis 25, 29 to 34. It says, Jacob was cooking some stew when Esau came in from the field. And Esau said to his brother, I'm famished. Let me have some soup. Jacob said, okay, sell me your birthright. Now, this is his brother. This is his brother. And Esau, the Bible says, was a skilled hunter. He could have easily killed anything, but he was being lazy. He was being lazy. And his brother was not being very nice. He said, okay, give me your whole inheritance. Give me everything that's yours for some soup. And he said, I'm about to die. So he sold him his birth, which is a lie, another deception. He wasn't about to die. Which, so he sold him some birthright, his birthright for some soup. Jacob gave Esau soup and he ate, just like Eve gave Adam and he ate, same thing. Uh, and this way Esau despised his birthright. Okay, Esau satisfied a short-term craving for a lifetime of blessings. He sought something outside of God's will because he believed that God was holding out. If God loved me, he should have provided. He did provide. He made you a skilled hunter. You could have got it. You just got lazy. You went after something that wasn't supposed to be yours. And so what did this bitter root stop calls in Esau's heart? How did Esau act just a few chapters later? Watch this. It's so funny. Whenever there's a bitter root towards somebody, towards a family, we always act out on it. And we don't even recognize it. Everyone else can see it. We can't see it because we're deceived. Genesis 28.6. Esau learned that his father had blessed his brother Jacob, the one that sold him the birth, sold the, that took his birthright for some soup. Now, first of all, let me just stop and say this. How does it feel when someone who has hurt you is being blessed by God? Isn't that painful? I'll tell you, there was a guy in my life, I, I don't think I've ever been so hurt in my whole life than this one particular guy. And I'll tell you, if I could have hurt him and got away with it, like physically hurt him, I would have done it. I, that's how bad this was. It was bad. And I'll never forget, right after he hurt me, he got a promotion in his work that he had been wanting for over a decade. And I was so PO'd at God. I said, God, how could you dare bless this man after the evil he did? And you know what God said? The same reason I dare to bless you after the evil that you've done. Because I'm a merciful and I'm a good God. And man, it hurts. It hurts. And so his brother's being blessed by his father. And there's bitter roots on the inside. Here's what he does. He sent him to take a wife, but he commanded Jacob, don't marry a Canaanite woman. Now watch this. <laughs> Esau, realizing how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father, he went after that woman and married Mahala. I don't know what her name is, but that's how I pronounce it. Mahala. <laughs> I don't know. It's a hard word. But anyway, <clears throat> Esau's getting back at his brother and father because he's blaming them for what happened in his life. Listen, there's not just a few of us in here that need a bitter root taken out. We all need it. We all have something, I believe, toward God himself that we don't even know it was in there. So Deuteronomy 29, 18, it says this. Make sure that nobody whose hearts, make sure their hearts don't turn away from the Lord. Watch this. Make sure there is no root of wormwood. Everybody say wormwood. Wormwood that produces bitter poison. Okay, so wormwood... 
Wormwood is a root that is so bitter, it causes everything around it to be bitter. You could have a, 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 a huge source of natural water, and if there's a wormwood anywhere nearby, a tree with wormwood roots, it will, it, will, it will infect the entire source of water, the whole thing, the whole thing, okay? It says in Proverbs uh, 5.1, the immoral are like wormwood, because whenever we are more, it doesn't just affect us, it affects everybody around us. So C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest authors of the, Christian authors of the past 100 years, in his apologetic screw tape letters, he's a famous book called Screw Tape Letters, famous, great book, difficult to read, but a great book. Um, an apologetic is whenever you take um, something that's true and you write it in a fictional form to help you understand the truth. So what C.S. Lewis does, stay with me, I know, just stay with me, it's really good, is he writes his 31 letters called screw tape letters, and it's to help people understand certain parts of the Bible, but it's in a really cool story form. So screw tape is this uncle demon. He's a great demon. He's, he's done a lot of harm to Christians, so he's very known. And so Screwtape writes 31 letters to his demon nephew. The demon nephew is named Wormwood. So every letter is Dear Wormwood. The goal of Screwtape's letters to Wormwood is to teach Wormwood how, um, how efficient and productive he can be in destroying God's kingdom. By simply taking a small seed of bitterness and reminding Christians about it over and over again till the seed takes root. And then Wormwood just stands back and watches it defile their life and everybody in their life. And he's very successful in it. Screwtape says, listen, Wormwood, if you could just remind the Christian how their parent died of cancer when they were young and God could have healed it. Just keep reminding them. Wormwood, if you'll go to the Christian and remind them about that person that kind of gave them the cold shoulder at church last week. Let them keep thinking about it all week long and just stand back. They'll stop going to church. Over and over this happens. Wormwood. Get, now, where did C.S. Lewis get the name Wormwood from? Revelation 8.10 says this. The third angel blew his trumpet and a star. Now, a fallen star in the Bible is a fallen angel that became a demon. Um, a star like a torch fell from heaven on a third of the water. Remember, a third of the angels fell. Uh, the water turned bitter and many people actually died. Watch this. The star, the demon, was named Wormwood. In the 20th century, when there was an explosion of scientific knowledge and medicine going all through the world, all these great doctors and scientists began to experiment with different um, natural trees and herbs. And one of them they tried to experiment with was Wormwood. They used it in different medicines trying to help people, but they found out it was actually hurting people. This is a direct quote from doctors in the 20th century. They said this, Wormwood is considered dangerous to health because it causes convulsions, hallucinations, mental deterioration, and psychosis. It deceives people into thinking things that are not true. This is the reason people go from church to church to church, job to job to job, relationship to relationship. They blame everybody else for their problems. It's a bitter root. Jeremiah 9.15 says to stubbornly follow their own desires rather than what God's provided. And they feed on wormwood and drink bitter water of gal or gall. Now, if you've been in church for a good number of years, you've probably heard that word gall or, or gal before, okay? 
Now, let me show you a messianic scripture. This is a prophecy. This was written hundreds of years before Jesus died. Psalm 69, 21. I love this stuff. This stuff excites me. <laughs> I love it. They also gave me, which is capitalized, it's a messianic prophecy, gall for my food and vinegar to drink. The, the, um, the fruition of this prophecy is in Matthew 27, 34, where Jesus said, it says this, they offered him wine mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink. Listen, he can't stop you from tasting bitterness in your life, but he will give you the strength to not drink it. He can't stop it from happening. We live in a fallen world, but you have a choice whether or not you're actually going to swallow. You're actually going to consume it and take it with you everywhere you go. Now, um, Jesus was tempted with every temptation for us. So, we, so he, Jesus is an empathetic, empathetic Lord. What, no matter what you're tempted with or going through, he knows exactly how you feel. Every temptation he faced. Theologians believe, and I greatly believe, that his last temptation was this before he died. The very last thing he was tempted with was this. Now listen. He was tempted with people who were hurting him, and they never said, I'm sorry. They never said, forgive me. They never said, I shouldn't have done this to you. But Jesus, in his final temptation, in Luke 23, 34, said this, forgive them anyway. They don't even know what they're doing. Man, if everybody out there right now dealing with what we're dealing with could hear this, the last temptation he faced for you and me was to say, listen, I know what it's like to taste bitterness, but I also know what it's like to choose not to drink it. I don't want to defile myself and those around me. Point number three is this, and this is a big one. Bitter roots depress. I believe the main, the main cause for deception is bitter roots. The main cause for defiling our life is bitter roots. And I believe that the main cause for depression all through the Bible, is a root of bitterness on the inside. So Naomi, in the Bible, Naomi, her husband and her two sons die. It's a tragic event that takes place in her life. She's very sad about it, but let me show you how she responded to this negative circumstance. Okay, in Ruth 1.20, she said this, Don't even call me Naomi. I used to be pleasant. I used to be joyful. Don't call me that. Now you can call me Mara, which means bitter. And here's, what, here's the deception. Here's, wormwood, wormwood must have succeeded with her because here's what she said. The Lord did this to me. God, God, God caused this to happen. And if he didn't, he could have stopped it and he didn't stop it. God is the reason that I'm full of grief and full of bitterness. Okay, listen real close. Naomi Allowed, God, allowed life to change her name. And there's a lot of people today that in their life, they can actually, it's like they don't even realize there's an emotional, mental connection to this one spot in their, if this is their whole life, there's this one spot when they were 16 where the bitter root took place and it seems like everything after that has been defiled. And they always go back to it. And basically that's what Naomi did. She let life change her name from that point. That was the circumstance that when, when that death occurred in her life, it was so discouraging, so tragic, so depressing. Everything in her future is dated back to this event. She, the way she responds to circumstances based on this, the way she treats people based on that, the way she acts at work based on that, the decisions she makes financially is based on that bitter root. 
It produces fear. It produces discouragement. Now listen, even though she changed her name, God never called her Mara. He never did that. Don't ever let anyone or anything change your name. Ever. God will not call you by your bitter name. God will not call you by, if God loved me, he should have made this different in my life. He should have fixed this. But listen, it's not God. We live in a fallen world filled with Satan and wormwood demons. Every corner. Don't let it deceive you into changing your name. Man, that's some good stuff. Exodus 15, 23. So let me tell you this. So the Israelites are in the desert and they, they're thirsty and th they finally see water and they think their dreams came true. And in verse 23, it says they finally found water, but it was so bitter. And theologians believe there was actually a, a wormwood root in this particular area. So bitter they couldn't drink it, so they named it Mara. Have you ever come to a place in life where you think your dream came true, the door's open, everything's going to happen for you, and just like that, something takes place, and now the water's bitter. I thought, I thought getting married was going to make me so happy, but now the water's bitter. I thought getting that job was going to bring such fulfillment, and now the water's bitter. I thought that you know I was going to have the money to retire, but something happened, the stock market crashed, and now the water's bitter. Let me tell you something. If you will go back to that place in your life, and invite Jesus, who is the root of David, the rose of Sharon. If you'll invite his root to come back into your life and you'll plant that in that time, I believe Jesus can go back in time, uproot the bitterness, heal you, and from this day forward, everything will be different in your life. All it takes is one ingredient from Jesus Christ to make all the bitter water sweet. Verse 25, the Lord showed Moses a tree. Which he threw into the waters. And just like that. All that bitterness was gone. And it was now sweet. Once again. Man Jesus can heal the bitter root. In your life. God doesn't prevent the bitterness. But if you let him add some more ingredients. In your life. He can make what was bitter sweet. So normally I would close now. But I, I wanted to add just one more quick Bible story. That I think is very important. It's the prodigal son. And, you know, we always use the prodigal son, which is the younger son. Um, I'm sorry. The, yeah, the younger son to talk about, um, um, you know, people that turn their back on God and, and God welcomes them with open arms. But I want to for a second focus on the older brother, the older son. OK, um, it says in Luke 15, 12, the younger son, the prodigal said to his father, give me my share of the estate. So he, the father Divided his property, now watch this, and all translations show this, between that younger son and the older son. So if you study the prodigal son, listen, the father divides the inheritance then and there. In other words, he gives everything that's supposed to be given to the younger son because he demanded it, and he goes ahead and gives everything to the older son as well. Okay? So the younger son goes out and he you know, lives a wild life and he finally comes back. And so the father's so excited, he throws the son a party. Um, imagine, you know, that, that you're doing your best and you're in church every Sunday. And then you see that guy that lives next to you. He don't ever go to church. He uses F-bombs when he talks. He, he, he smokes and drinks and everything else. And then you see he gets a new Mercedes that following week. And he's thanking God out front. Look what God did for me. And you think, you loser. I'm in church every Sunday. And what are you getting? You know what that does to us on the inside, right? Okay. So verse 25. Maybe you don't think that. But 
I do. I'm just kidding. The older son heard music. Now, if you hear dancing, that's a wild party right there. He heard music and he heard dancing. But watch this. He became angry. He refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But the son said to his father, look at these lies. I've never disobeyed you. Lie number one. But a lot of prideful Christians think that. I'm such a God. Look how far. Look all the things I've done for Jesus way better than you. Yet you've never even given me. That's another lie. The father already divided the inheritance. In fact, the older son gets twice as much. He got more. You've never even given me a young goat. Verse 31, the father said, my son, you're always in church. I've always been blessing you. Stop looking at what you don't have, what your neighbor has. Look at what I have done for you. Look at the great, look at what is sufficient from me. Look at my grace and what it has done in your life. Everything I have is yours. Okay, listen, the younger son missed out on the presence and the provision of the father because he left home. The older son, he missed the provision and the presence of the father because he left home in his heart. He still came to church. There was a bitter root. He still gave, but there was a bitter root. He still served. There was a bitter root. His heart didn't, his heart wasn't fully filled with the father's love. He, 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 there was something in there preventing it. Now listen real close. Bitterness doesn't stop the party from happening, but bitterness does stop you from enjoying the party. The party's going on. The father's throwing a party. You can be bitter all you want to. You can be mad at God, mad at the world, mad at your parents, but none of that stops the party from taking place. All it does is stop you from enjoying the party called life. So my question is, has bitterness stopped you from coming to the party? You might be there physically, but is your heart filled with the joy and passion that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ? Or are you so stuck on what he hasn't done, what should have happened, what you want from here and what you want from there? Listen, don't let life change your name. Don't let bitter roots defile your, you and your, don't let, don't, don't be deceived in thinking you need more than what God's provided for you right now. He might provide something different tomorrow, something more tomorrow, but right now you got everything you need. And don't let bitter roots keep you so depressed that you don't enjoy the party of life. Amen. 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 Prayer partners can come down here. Y'all bow your heads with me for a minute. Um, normally at this time, I, I, I pray for you. Um, normally at this time, I, 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 you know, I ask you to raise your hand and, and see who uh, the Lord spoke to today. But I want to do something different. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to take a minute and just pray. And you can, you can whisper your prayer. You can pray in your heart. But I want you to just take a few minutes and just pray. And just, I think that some of you, I think there's a certain time in your life where your, your, your mom died when you were young, or you got abused by somebody, or you lost a really great job, or whatever it is. And I think that maybe there's a bitter root that Wormwood had planted. 
and screw tape saying, yep, you got them good there. Just keep reminding them of that event. I'm asking you today to give it to God. It's not worth missing out on the party. It's not worth letting life change your name from that moment. And let me tell you how we change our name. We change our name, well, I'm the one whose child passed away when they were three years old. I'm the one who used to be a millionaire, and now, you know, I can barely make ends meet. You know that? Let me tell you what happened in my life. Let me tell you what my first husband did to me back in 1986. That's how life changes your name. So I want you to just ask God. Say, God, you know, go back to when I was a little boy at seven years old. And God, why didn't you step in and intervene? Why didn't you do something, God? Why didn't you do something? And God's saying, listen, I know you don't see it. I know you can't understand. I want you to trust me and don't try to figure it out. Don't try to figure it out. Just trust me. God, uproot wormwood in our hearts. Lord, up, up, uproot the wormwood and plant seeds of passion for you and your kingdom in our hearts. Plant seeds of excitement to tell people about you, to be a light for you. And God, help us to crave only that which you provide. And forgive us forever blaming you, Lord, for any of the evil that's been in the world that you created perfectly. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Y'all can stand to your feet today. Thank you for coming out. We love you. Love having you here. Don't forget, if you want to help us with our building fund, please do so. Everything in this box gets doubled. Parents come out to Wednesday Night Youth. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus' name. Thank you. Love God and love people.